Welcome to the 920 Podcast. Uh, we're coming at you right before the Gonzaga series. Uh, hopefully we can get this thing in. We've got tornado-like effects coming our way. Uh, don't know if they'll – I think if they start the game, they'll get it in. It's a matter if they want to try to start it with all the tornado-like conditions that they're calling for um, people getting to the game and pregame stuff. Uh, Charlie, what's up, my man? Hey, what's up? Uh, good to sit down with you here. Hopefully the wind doesn't knock us off. Hopefully we can get this thing in. Yeah, it's not like, I mean, we had bad enough audio uh, issues to begin with the first couple of episodes. So now that we're kind of squared away, now we've got weather uh, that we're dealing with. But uh, 10 games in, as Tony V says, time to play ball. And uh, Tennessee wraps up a two-game midweek series with Charleston Southern with an 8-2 eight, eight to two victory. Um, man, uh, uh, not much to say about the pitching staff other than uh, they're just lights out. And, you know, we're really not going to get – I mean, I, obviously it's the best staff in the nation, but until SEC play rolls around, really not going to get a good taste of what they can do uh, once – you know, until they step up in class and, and see some of the guys, uh, whether or not they can kind of, you know, hold their position uh, in terms of their line and the staff. But uh, touch on Charleston Southern real quick. Um, lots of aggressive base running uh, with the Vols. I know a lot of people have kind of complained about it and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's a brand new lineup. This team is trying to form an identity. It's trying to figure out who who they can have one through nine that they can count on. Um, and I think they're getting there. I I think they might be getting there a little bit quicker than I expected. Uh, one through six, as you can see on the graphic, uh, we still got the 2022 stats up there. We're only two weeks in, so over the course of the next week, we'll be throwing the updated stats in. Um, but the names are what's important. Uh, one through six is pretty solidified. I mean, I think you can see some experimental stuff going on um, with a couple of those guys, but I know Tony's mentioned uh, Ahuna. Uh, he has options at the one, two, and six spot, and I think six right now, I don't – until he gets super hot, I don't think any change going on there. Three through five especially is what – uh, Tony and Josh really like to stick with uh, with those guys. Uh, and then Dickie and Moore at the top. We've talked about it, Charlie. Um, we're proponents of having your best pure hitter at number two, especially with what Christian Moore is doing, getting on base. He can, he's got four bags. He's four for four still in bases. We know he's got pop and can go gap to gap. Uh, but his on base to me is what makes him kind of special at the top. But I've got no qualms about it. I mean, uh, if you want to go Dickie and then Simo, totally fine. Uh, it's the bottom of the lineup, uh, that outfield DH rotation. Um, you got Charlie Taylor in there. Um, he's He's been, you know, we talked about it last episode. He's looked good in the box, but when it comes to difference makers, um, you know, I think it's going to come in the form of a freshman, true freshman like Dylan Drawing um, Hunter Inslee has, I mean, he's not jumping off of the page, but if you watch him play, he's getting really good contact. 
He has above average speed. He's kind of he's a stout guy, man, and uh, and he can scoot. He's got a few bags on the season, uh, and I think he can play the outfield, whether it's center, left. Um, those are the spots really that's going to make the difference for this thing going forward. Um, is there anything that sticks out to you, Charlie, as far as um, anything we might see going forward with this lineup or anybody that's impressed you early on? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of hit on it, that top six, and, and specifically that top two in the lineup, one and two. Yeah, we both prefer Dickey at, at the two. I mean, I like having, like you said, your, your top contact guy or just your best, uh, you know, your best pure all-around hitter in that two-hole. And I like having a guy like Christian Moore um, that does get on base a lot, that does walk a lot, that that I think makes pitchers work. Um, just uh, really, really good at making pitchers work, making making guys show all their pitches. I like having him in the front of the lineup. Um, but obviously with Maui Ahuna now eligible – I think that's where you start to present some interesting questions, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you can put more out there though in that leadoff spot and he can make a guy throw seven pitches and, and show, you know, Jared Dickey and Blake Burke and Zane Denton and Griffin Merritt and Maui Ahuna coming up next, make him show all of, all of what he has to offer right away just from the get go. But, uh, I don't know. Do you think that that Maui Ahuna like works his way up into the the first or second spot, or or do you think that Dickie and Moore kind of hold it down? I, I think they hold firm. I really do. With what I've seen early on, uh, like I said, Simo with the on base. That's what I'm wanting to see. Like keep that on base up, um, and, and he's doing that with walks. Uh, and like I said, we we know he can steal some bags uh, once he gets there, and. You know, it's we mentioned the one-two swap. I mean, it it was uh, kind of a foreign thing to me until the Braves did it a couple years ago. And I'm not trying to compare Simo and Dickey to Acuna and, and Freeman, but when you had Ronald Acuna at the top and, and Freeman batting right behind him, I mean, geez. And, and you you sort of touched on it, like with with Simo, if he gets if he's getting on base at you know at the rate he is, and of course we've got to let conference play play out and all that stuff but you have that hitter like you said that can work counts it's it's one thing when you're getting worked uh with nobody on base but when you got jared dickey up there one of the best pure hitters in the game and then you have a guy like simo on base and you're getting worked that's that makes a difference but i'm totally fine with what they're doing i think they hold firm uh and i think ahuna is uh a, a great spot to have at six um it it gives you power and speed uh towards the back end and and you talk about guys like drawling insley taylor at the back it it really this bottom of the lineup can form into something i think a little bit better than we all expected yeah i mean i i like the idea of kind of tearing your lineup to an extent like stacking your lineup where you know you're you're attacking and, and kind of blitzing guys on multiple levels you know you can get in the second inning and you can have it, you know, maybe you got one through four and you can reset with Merritt, uh, Ahuna, and and Dryling or whoever else is playing that night and, and sitting in that seven hole. And Merritt, Ahuna, and, you know, whoever it may be sitting at seven that specific night, that 
it, it's obviously not as good as is a one, two, three, but it, it's pretty damn close to, you know, what you would see from a lot of really talented teams in, in terms of hitting ability. Obviously, the drop off there a little bit at seven. By the way, uh, if you're watching the video feed, Logan, you too, if you see me periodically, just kind of peering over that right shoulder. You got a friend. What was that? You've got a friend in the background that keeps uh, getting some screenshots. Do I? The cat. Yeah, no, the cat The cat is doing a little bit of everything right now. I don't know. As soon as the, the camera comes on, he just started acting up. The, the station cat that I found over on uh, – at the studio like a year and a half ago, but I also periodically checking the score of a mid-major college basketball tournament game that I bet on. So just know that I'm not, there's nothing coming up behind me to like attack me or anything, but uh, it's kind of, it's just, it's such a weird dynamic. It's hard to justify taking Jared Dickey or Christian Moore out of those first two spots. You know, they're both, deserving yeah at the same time Maui Ahuna I mean that's a guy that that is one of the better players in the country one of the the better hitters out there hit 396 a year ago uh you know he can work a lot of walks too if he wants to that OPS high I mean he's the kind of guy that teams would you know kill to have in the top of their lineup so it's just tough because I mean, again, there, there's just there's so many different justifications, but there's only one final solution. And uh, we'll touch on it real quick uh, before we take our turn through the lineup. Uh, the four and, or the uh, three and four spots with Blake Burke and Zane Denton. Look, I, I always felt like eventually it would get to, or what they wanted to do is get Denton in the cleanup role. It didn't start out that way. But that's his home. Like that's he played and started every game for Bama last year and was in that cleanup spot. That's where he's comfortable. I think they just wanted to see some of the work he had put in and and the results. And early on, no question, like the he's a slugger. He's a uh, cage rat. Um, the guy can smoke the ball. There's no question. For him, it's a matter of uh, getting those walks up, being more selective and patient, and that's what he's done. Um, eight walks on the year right now. And when you combine Burt to me can be, he can kind of hit anywhere really like two through five, really like, um, but he's man, that dude is just seeing beach balls right now. And he's, I think he's more of a complete hitter than any of us thought. Like he's showing that he can put the ball, you know, anywhere he wants play all parts of the field. Uh, and like I said, he's, He's seeing beach balls, and that turn in the lineup right now with Burke at three and Denton at four, man, it's looking really, really good. Denton's a switchy, and when he's being selective and willing to take walks, and then he's he's getting really, really good contact, and it seems like he's getting to his pitch more often. Yeah, I mean, and, the two of them are a combined, what, 25 of like – 65. Yeah, they have uh, 25 to 65. They have um, 23 RBI. You know, Blake Burke has six home runs, uh, two triples, a double. I mean, from your three and four to, to have that kind of production early, which again, you know, you read more into all of these things once conference play starts, but 
that is is threatening to say the least. And you know, I think that was the conversation about Blake Burke last year. He had a swing like Ken Griffey Jr. when there was a fastball coming in there, and he had a beat on it. But we started to see as he got more playing time down the you know tail end of the season, and, and teams started to get more of a, a report on him. And especially when he got in the postseason, when there's even more of like a, a, a focus on the scout, like Blake Burke was still a great hitter, but found some holes in his swings. You know, you could get him to chase that off-speed pitch. You can get him out in front of it. You know, you could kind of bury him down and in with, with some of the off-speed stuff. Or if you're a lefty, you could come in and, and, and sweep some of that off-speed away from him. He would swing over top, chase it a little bit. And I think that was kind of the conversation was like, all right, you know, he's a freshman. That's something you'd expect. But can he work on that in the off-season? Can he cover up some of those holes? Can he can he hit the off-speed better? Um can he earn more fastballs this year, basically? And I've been very impressed. You know, he he's made strides. Again, you wait till you get an SEC play to really, truly know everything. But he's made strides to this point further than I expected him to as a hitter. And then, yeah, Zane Denton right behind him. I was kind of iffy on Denton. I, I mean, at least as Denton, you know, on Denton being like your, your cleanup guy. I know – you're, you're, you were a big Denton guy, and I liked him. I mean, I saw him – gosh, I played against him in high school. Like, I, I've seen him for a long time. I've seen him develop as a prospect. And, and you know, against – on that Alabama team, it's not like he had a lot of help around him in that lineup, at least not to the same extent you do playing here. And, you know, maybe that's why he was less selective. Maybe he was trying to force the issue a little bit more. Maybe he understand understood that, like, he needed to be a driving force in that offense, but – now he can be more comfortable knowing that right in front of him, Blake Burke, right behind him, Griffin Merritt, Maui Ahuna, like there are dudes all around this team. And, and Zane Denton has been better than I anticipated. Very pleased with what you got at three and four. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm real anxious to see if it continues, which I think it will to an extent, uh, going into SEC play. But without a doubt, it's going to be, like I said, the bottom of the lineup. That's what's going to really – take this thing to the next level. Um, man, like I mentioned, Hunter Inslee, Dilling, Drawling, uh, Cal Stark, you, he's shown he can DH and, and then platoon with Charlie. Um, it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. There you know, other names, of course, guys that have been in the program, Booker, Scott, um, uh, freshman Reese Chapman had the bases loaded the other night and uh, really got good contact with the ball. Uh, couldn't make anything of it but he he's shown the ability in that spot bases loaded he's a you know true freshman waiting for his moment uh you know he had a good at bat uh but my guy right now that i'm kind of circling is hunter Inslee. um like i said i i thought um i really like the contact early on from him he can he can get the bat head around some good at bats above average speed uh here is what Tony had to say on Inslee and his role going forward. Yeah, he's he's doing the best he can with what he's being provided, and um, I, I think any kid out there who who uh, has the excuse of "Well, I need to get in a rhythm," and I haven't played every day, that you can use foul language to describe that that mentality. But it is a lot easier to come to the park every day and be in the lineup and rack up a bunch of at-bats and things like that. So he's, he's kind of caught in the middle of that. And when he's been out there 
for the most part, he's done really well. And what he needs to understand and most kids need to understand is it's not necessarily what you do, but kind of how you do it. And uh, you're going to strike out in this game, and you're you're going to, you know, Reese Chapman, for instance, tonight. As a young freshman, I don't think he'd be like this. He might go back to the dorm saying, man, I had a chance to hit. I didn't get a hit. Well, he dang near drove that thing out of the park, and he looked really good in the box doing it. So for us, we're kind of watching more how he goes about it. And, And Hunter Inslee's gone about his business pretty well and almost had what to date would be the biggest hit of the year. Unfortunately, Arizona's got a really good defensive third baseman. Trying to find his role. So there's uh, Tony's thoughts, and it sounds like a guy that uh, just needs, you know, to build his confidence a little bit and keep realizing that, um, hey, I'm chipping away at this thing, like chipping away at the iceberg and and keep getting up there, getting good at bats in. And, you know, I think ultimately his talent will shine through. Um, any thoughts before we make the turn to the uh, to the bullpen, Charlie? I just liked hearing Tony Vitello talk about, you know, the process. I think sometimes we, we don't pay enough due to, to the process in sports and, and, yeah. and we analyze them. I mean, especially early in the season, you know, results sometimes, numbers sometimes aren't always, you know, as true to, to form as what they may end up being. But the process, I think, and, how, and the way in which you go about uh, yourself athletically, you know, how, how you, you know, whether it's basketball, like your shot selection and, and, and what you're setting up defensively and offensively, whether it's, you know, baseball, your, your, your pitch selection, your, your uh, plate discipline, you know, the, the swings that you're putting in. Almost had a couple big hits. He hasn't this year, but, but Tony Vitello talked about the process. And I think it's important right now in this time of the year to worry more about, you know, doing things the right way than getting the right results. Because if you put in the work now and you set up, you know, set yourself up in a position where you're, you're focusing on those details, you're doing things the right way, that process will lead to results. So with Hunter Inslee, you know, I, th- I think right now the process is right for him. Like he is doing a lot of the little things right. He's doing what he needs to do. And, you know, that, that gives me confidence. Tony Vitello, obviously he sees it too, that, you know, he's going to continue to grow into a player that has a role on this team. What that role is, you know, we too early to tell, but he seems like he's going to definitely be a factor in conference play. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of guys that are a little lower on the totem pole being factors, I mean, Man, it just goes on and on with this pitching staff, man. Uh, so we'll we'll get right into it. Uh, this week's Crumble Weekend Rotation brought to you by Crumble Cookies. And uh, this week's lineup at Crumble is just as ridiculous as this Tennessee Volunteer pitching staff. Charlie, we've got – Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm really interested to see your thoughts on, on one of them. I'm waiting. Not- it's uh it's heaven to me. Uh of course you got the milk chocolate chip as always. That's this week. That's Drew Beam. This is uh this is my Blake Burt cookie right here, man. Yeah. Maple bacon. A fluffy buttermilk cookie swirled with thick maple frosting, a sprinkle of real crispy bacon bits, and a drizzle of maple syrup. Huh. I'm telling you, Charlie, I've had it. <laughs> And it's amazing. This seems like 
It's like eating a pancake with real bacon on it, man. I mean, it's it's real bacon. No, it's not like um, some of that fake crap. Uh, it it's the real deal, man. I've heard of of like a maple bacon like donut. donut right. I, I've seen that done in desserts sometimes, but same type of thing. That sounds good. I, I gotta get out and try that. Uh, then we got the pink donut, uh, brownie batter. This is my second favorite. Uh, this would be my Zane Denton uh, mint chip ice cream cookie. Okay, see, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream, so that's sounding good. And then, of course, the classic pink sugar. But uh, man, this uh, that's that's a lot of great options right there. Um, Tennessee, <laughs> a lot of nasty options in the bullpen, and uh. You know, where are the innings for these guys, man? I, I, I don't know. Um, and what's playing like inner squads on Thursdays, maybe? Yeah. Um, uh, Tony was a little animated about, um, he had a quote or two about the run rule, uh, off record that, uh, we said we wouldn't share. So, uh, but <laughs> I like the run rule. Yeah. Um, it's punishing good teams, essentially. It's, it's telling good teams that, like, hey, Sorry, you were too good today. You know, the guys that you could have used these innings to get work with or needed work or, you know, guys that needed work that could have got work in these innings. Well, you know, too bad. You're just too good. You're beating teams too bad. You got to get home. So, yeah. And he mentioned uh, he mentioned after the Charleston Southern game uh, that, you know, he was like, look, I know you all are probably chomping at the bit to to get out of the stadium, to go about your business, you know, when the game seems a little bit out of hand. But as we saw, though, I think they used eight pitchers. I know it was at least eight. It might have been nine, but it, it was at least eight. Um, I think Hollis Fanning was was brought in, which was a surprise because, like, Hollis is one of those guys early on that they, they you know, they want to get midweek starts. They want to – basically, it, it came to the point where this guy's got to throw a bullpen, so he might as well come in and do it against bats so yeah he said look you know i know you guys are probably frustrated when the game's out of hand and we're changing pitchers like every couple of outs but he's like these these guys have to have to get some work in i mean, uh, i remember joking with 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 kirby when we got to talk to him this offseason you know last year it's it's obviously not been the case this this year but still kind of the same idea last year Nobody in the bullpen really got to pitch in any high leverage situations outside of the Texas game from first pitch of the season and into like multiple weeks into SEC. Yeah. You know, it's it, you, there at least there have been some high leverage situations obviously this year for the bullpen, but still just not enough innings to go around. And that's what's so great about the way this season started. Uh, playing the competition they did, uh, particularly with Arizona and Grand Canyon, it, that was you were in a high leverage spot for most of the game against those teams, and so it right off the bat. So yeah. I thought that was great. Um, and then you know we feel like this, um, you know, we're trying to figure out where everybody fits in, and it's without a couple of your best guys, <laughs> Wide Evans and Camden Sewell. So. Uh, where do they fit in when, when they're good? Uh, Tony mentioned that we gave an update last episode, uh, but this week his update was that um, 
Sewell was on more of a, uh, or excuse me, Evans was more of a planned program. Sewell, there's been some back and forth about, you know, and Tony said he quoted, he was quoted as saying, you know, it was a little bit to the point where it was silly. I took it as maybe, um, you know, at one point Camden's like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then coach says like, no, 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 no. Well, you know, let's hold you a bit. And then a couple of days later, it's Camden. That's like, ah, man, I'm a little sore when the coaches are kind of thinking maybe it's time to throw in. But, uh, say all that to say that Tony said he could, Camden could be ready to go this weekend. Um, and like he said last week, if these guys had to do it, if these guys had to face bats, they could. But with what they're dealing with, uh, for one, it, it opens the door for some of these younger guys like A.J. Russell um, to to get in the door and see what they can do. Um, on the other side, it's you're not rushing anything with um, Wyatt Evans, which is one of the top prospects they have for the 2024 class. And then Camden, a guy that, man, it doesn't matter the situation. He's kind of like, almost like Kirby in the extent that doesn't matter if he you need him to start or you need one out. I think he performs better like that. You know, when when Doe got hit with that line drive against Alabama, you know, of course, it, it was like, it was early on, man. It was like, what, the second or third inning or something? So you had no guys getting warm and, and Camden got called on and he came in and was awesome and there's been so many times out of the bullpen against florida things of that starting against florida it you know doesn't matter with him so it'll be interesting to see uh how they fit in how they work those guys in once this thing really gets going um but man uh early on zach joyce looks so so good he's been his command out there his presence is what sets it apart for me on top of being a hard thrower. He has a new cutter. They worked on a cutter in the off season. And uh, <laughs> he said, he said, Frank locked it. So I'm good with it. So, um, and it, it, he's been looking awesome. So it's, uh, I don't know, Charlie, uh, the weekend's going to do their thing. Um, weather is in play tonight. If they start the game, Um but I don't know, what What are some of your thoughts early on about uh, whether it's the starting staff or some of the, these guys in the pen that are getting work early on? Uh, I mean, they just, quite simply, they're exactly what they were advertised to be, which is the best collection of arms that any singular college program has ever collected for one singular season. Um, just so impressive. Anytime anybody takes them out. I mean, you know, the latest guy that's really stood out to me that, that I wasn't expecting to really think much about this year, A.J. Russell, freshman, uh, struck out two, didn't give up a hit against Charleston Southern this week, struck out five, didn't give up a hit against Dayton last week, and that was in two and a third inning. Against Alabama and AM, struck out three, only one hit in two innings. So, I mean, on the year, that's six and a third innings uh, for him. One hit, zero walks, zero earned runs, and 10 strikeouts. I, I mean, I know that there's just so much depth on this team, but 
I mean, that's a guy from Franklin. I feel like I hadn't even heard much about him <laughs> from like my people back. Yeah. And uh, Tony had some really strong words about him. Uh, yeah. he's, he said that um, the coaching staff is, has probably more confidence in him than AJ does in himself. So he's going out there and flashing that stuff when it's got, Tony's kind of alluding to the fact that, man, there's a lot left in the tank with this guy in terms of his attitude and his approach. If he can take that to the next level, I mean – Gosh, man, it's like like you said, they're turning. Not only are they getting some of the best prospects, they're getting freshmen like Drawling and Chapman that turned down big money to come play college ball uh, at UT. Not only are they getting those guys, they're getting guys that they can bring in as freshmen that not a whole lot of people have heard about, and they can turn them into guys that compete uh for sec innings and, and that's what tony said that was that was in the cards for aj yeah I, I mean sam beard uh producer of blitz he went to franklin he's a couple of years younger than me i was like hey dude like he has buddies that play baseball like buddies that have coached there i was or, or it's like what's up with aj russell man like why didn't you tell me anything about this guy <laughs> You know, you didn't want to give me a scoop. And he's like, dude, I didn't know anything either. <laughs> like, I knew Franklin had some kid going to Tennessee, and that was all I really knew. It was just something. Yeah. I asked one of my buddies about him. They didn't really have any expectations for him. They were surprised that he was even going to Tennessee. Yeah. Here he is. I mean, again, it's Dayton. It's Charleston Southern. It's it's Alabama A&M. But he's shown enough against – those. I mean, he's shown as much against those guys as, as, as your best arms have. Uh, you know, he is going to compete for SEC innings. But – Getting Sewell back, uh, getting Evans back, I, I think really just settles you in more. The whole two and a half, three weeks to start of the year, I mean, it's just – it's all just felt so dis, disoriented. It just felt like there was such like a disruption within the flow of this team, within just the vibes were off with the pending status of Maui Ahuna – the suspension of Tony Vitello, all the rumors that were floating around about the implications in that whole NCAA inquiry. Um, now you get Maui back in the lineup, you know, Tony Vitello, you're not having to worry about any future repercussions. He's, he's served his suspension. It just feels like you can get to a point where you can really settle into the season now. Like you can, okay, we got our guys, we got our coach, all that behind us that opening one and two start behind us let's really get rolling you know let's 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 start to catch that groove like we started to last year heading into sec play and, and getting evans back getting Sewell back will inevitably be a big part of that yeah and, and they're gonna roll and take that momentum into this weekend against gonzaga uh gonzaga is a catchy name, and, and for those that have followed baseball the past couple of years, uh, they realize, oh, Gonzaga usually has a really good baseball team. They, they're a team that makes wins their conference, makes regionals, all that stuff. And, yeah, it's a good program. Uh, they're one and seven on the year. They played good competition. Uh, Texas Tech, Grand Canyon, Ohio State. They played Ohio State twice, a split set there. Um, but this is a team – that's lost a lot of production uh, with their arms. And that's that was kind of their bread and butter uh, the last couple of years. Uh, their uh, their namesake was 
uh, they they're going to throw a lot of different arm slots at you, right? Uh, Gabe Hughes and company, they're gone. Um, they're their most experienced pitcher in terms of being a Friday night guy is going to be the guy we see either tonight or game one tomorrow. Um, it's Owen Wild. He's a right-handed pitcher, uh, 11 and a third on the year. He has 11 strikeouts, four walks. He was not in one last year. He was their he formed into their Sunday guy last year and did a really good job. Nine and one on the year, uh 3.4 K to walk rate. Uh, and he he tossed 74 and a third innings and had a 1.26 whip. He's their Friday night guy. Um outside of that, it's what what's interesting to me. I mentioned all the different arm slots. With, with the guys at Gonzaga that we're used to seeing. <laughs> the top four arms that I've got circled, they're all traditional guys. They're traditional righties, three-quarter over the top, which is, like I said, it's really strange if you covered Gonzaga over the past few years. But nonetheless, uh, Owen Wild, game one. Game two is projected to be Jacob Ruther Rutherford, another righty. He's eight and a third into this season. 11 hits, two walks, 6K. He has Gonzaga's lone win, but it was actually <laughs> – he pitched both times against Ohio State in his worst outing. He got credit for the win. <laughs> uh, that The second time around he faced Ohio State, he was better. He, he tossed two innings, three strikeouts, scoreless, no walks. That second, third time seeing the lineup of Ohio State, he was better. But the, the two most interesting arms for me, and I think one of these guys may start on Sunday. If not, there'll be excellent options coming out of the pen. Uh, Nathan DeShryer. Uh, he is an interesting righty. Uh, he and Kai Francis, um, you know, they both had four to six round grades for the 2021 draft. They opted to go to Gonzaga. Um, the Schreier has a fastball slider curve going for him. He may be the most projectable arm. Uh, Kyle Francis was actually his teammate at Bainbridge, um, a Northwest school. Uh, he has a really good curveball, plus curveball. Uh, he has really good command of his fastball. Uh, a, a lot, there's a lot, yeah, a, a lot of meat left on the bone there. Uh, for his fastball, and I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming Charlie, you're not trying to throw a fastball. I'm assuming you just hit a bet on uh, some obscure college basketball tournament. If you're talking about the Big South quarterfinals, brother, you're right. Charleston Southern was down 11. Speaking have, of the Bucks, I have them plus nine and a half. Final possession of the game. And at the buzzer, we get a nice little step-back jumper to get it back down the nine and cover by half a point. Baby. Nice. So, follow me and Logan on Picket. You could have been riding that with us, too. Yeah, yeah, we'll mention that uh, before we get out of here for sure. Uh, sign up for Picket. You can see the, uh, the promo code in the link at the bottom of the screen on the ticker. We'll talk about it in a minute, but don't waste any time. Go sign up for Picket today. Um, yeah, Charlie, I, it's not the pitching we're used to seeing. Um, the two most projectable arms, like I said, DeShryer and Francis, 
those are guys that are still in that they're in that peak process of developing. Uh, Owen Wilde is by far their bulldog. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Uh, got an update for you. Tonight's Friday night. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this, we're recording this on a Friday. But Friday night's game has been moved back 30 minutes. Uh, that feels like the kind of game that's going to get moved back another 30 minutes and maybe just into a double <laughs> they just, Man, I'm telling you, they just need to uh, make a double header. That They planned on it. They had it yeah. early on this week. They prepped for it. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think don't know. For, I, I'm – feel pretty confident that both teams and all the stadium ops, everybody else is pretty there. I think they're all pretty prepared for a double header. That still seems like a likely outcome, but at the same time, I don't know, this weather is pushing through pretty quickly. So maybe it does clear out with another 30 minutes. Maybe they attack on an extra 30 minutes. You get like a seven thirty first pitch and you know, it's her field. Hey, go at it. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, you were talking about Gonzaga. You were talking about the different arms they have. It feels like a team that finally, you know, they've had, like you said, if you've been covering Gonzaga, you've known about all they've done with their pitching and different arm slots and how, you know, how talented their pitching staffs have been. It feels like they finally got caught in a space where some of their development, like younger guys that they had previously that have developed just like haven't grown into the players that they had hoped, but then they also have some younger pitchers that maybe aren't quite ready to step into a bigger role. And they're instead just kind of in this purgatory where they just don't have great pitching. The bats haven't been bad this year by any means, but they haven't had a game this year where they've allowed like what, less than eight runs. Right. So, they, they've gave up a ton of runs. They're, uh, they're giving they're, up 10.8 runs per game. They're going to try to outscore teams. Well, I mean, that's what you got to do when you're giving up over 10 runs a game. Good googly muggly. But I think I think that pitching staff is going to get better as the season goes along. Like, I Yeah, think absolutely. We'll get better as they figure some things out. They're just – they have a lot to figure out. And that's not a good spot to be coming into Knoxville to, to face this Tennessee team, to, to be in a spot where you feel like you're going to need offense to outscore them. This feels like a, a – a, Big weekend brewing for Tennessee. Yeah, and uh, the with the offense, like you said, six point three runs per game. That's you know that's pretty good. Seems okay, but I would love to see some of the luck metrics uh, in some of their games because a seven sixty one OPS doesn't really, uh, in most cases, doesn't spell really good offensive production right now. It's really been Cade McGee and Brian Calmer. It's those two powering that thing. They have seven homers together, I think. Uh, Cade McGee is a sophomore. Uh, he's a two-way type, actually. Um, he has a 14-32 OPS, four home runs, 13 RBI. Brian Calmer, uh, he's a right-handed junior, 12-20 OPS, three home runs. The interesting thing about Brian Calmer, he's a Wabash Valley transfer. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it is. Jacob Bimby is also a Wabash Valley transfer. They were teammates last year on a team that went to the NJC World Series. And guess who they were put out by? Or actually, their first loss, excuse me. Their first loss was to Walter State. And then they were ultimately put out by Central Arizona. But, uh, yeah, Calmer was the uh, NJC player of the year. Um, Really, really talented, good bat. 
Um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting of note. Also, Xavier Pinales, he's their he's an infielder that's gonna steal some bases. I think he had he was 15 to 17 last year. He played with Wabash two years ago. So interesting nuggets there. Charlie, any more parting thoughts on the Gonzaga Bulldogs? I I don't think I have much more to add. That was as comprehensive as it comes, Logan. <laughs> yeah, and as far as the totals this week, I, I was surprised. They finally, Tennessee hasn't been on the board uh, for some games now. Um, they were on the board. This thing opened online at like the total was 11. Uh, it quickly got down to 10 because of the weather. I'm laying off of it uh, just because the wind pattern is and the projections for wind has changed so much. I mean, for the longest time, it was 20 to 25 miles an hour blowing in. And then all of a sudden with these tornado like effects, it's, I don't know. I'm just going to stay away from it. But as we get into our betting segment brought to you by Pickett, speaking of totals and weather, I'm going with South Carolina money line uh and also under 11 um this is a game that's gonna see high winds they're they're scooted over to the east coast more towards the east coast um so i think they should definitely get the game started get the game in hopefully the winds are more steady there than here in knoxville as far as you know we're gonna get some whipping gusting swirling effects they're going to have 20 to 25 mile an hour blowing in at at the stadium out there in Clemson. Uh, this is a three-game set, the Palmetto State rivalry. They play at Clemson, then at Greenville for a neutral, and then at Founders Park. So Clemson is on a skid right now. South Carolina is really hot, but they need to step up in class, and they're going to do that this week. Uh Clemson starter, their ace is out. He's unavailable. So they're going to a young guy, a guy that made his first start last weekend against UCF. It did not go well. Um, if you're Clemson, you have to have this game. But if you're South Carolina, you know, if you get this game, you're assured to go back to Founders Park and, and, and either sweep or take the series in this rivalry. South Carolina got swept last year. They have a lot of momentum. You know, we talked about them, Charlie. We were big. On, we hopped on that train when they were 200-1 before the season started. Mm -hmm. uh, don't underestimate the addition of Monty Lee to the staff at South Carolina. He was a longtime Clemson guy. He's In terms of this weekend, he's got the scouting. You know he's got the scouting nuggets for this matchup. And I think going forward, he's going to help this club South Carolina, I think they continue, uh, you know, like I said, big step up in class here. Clemson can play small ball. They can, they're one of the best teams at running the bases. They've got some offense, but you're telling me minus 105 money line, um, a team without their ace in Clemson, a team with their ace in Will Sanders. There's not many more guys, you, you know, take away the Tennessee pitchers. There's not a whole lot more guys in the country I would want in this spot. This rivalry game, South Carolina, it's been a long time coming. They were so down last year. 
you know that program's going to want to start out with a series win against Clemson. Uh, Will Sanders, I think, will get it done. I think it plays to the total, and I'm taking the price on the money line with the Gamecocks. You have me completely sold. You have me, I mean, all the way sold on, on South Carolina tonight. That was – I mean, that was convincing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is – I understand it's a road game. Uh, you know, it's at Clemson. But still, with all the factors and context leading up to this match, I've got it more or less uh, – more along the lines of, like, South Carolina should be priced at, like, minus 130 or so. Uh, so I think there's a little value here. It's a value play. Um, and like I said, I feel good about the total going under with the weather. Will Sanders can uh, – he's kind of pitched a contact type of pitcher, but he he can get swing and miss as well. Uh, let's just hope that uh, the Gamecocks don't go too crazy and, and bust up the uh, the talented young Gordon that, uh, that Clemson has going. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I think we, we got a good shot to split. Um, or a great shot to split and a really good shot to go to an O on that folks. If you want to get in on it, uh, I know you're going to run to your sports book, but before you do sign up for the picket app, the picket sports app, man, it, it's been game changing for guys like me, Charlie. I know Jake Miller has joined the club. It's totally free. No, you know, there's no scheme, no Ponzi scheme, no like angle here we're taking other than we want to create a uh, community on Pickett, a fan run community where you can follow us. We can follow you. Um, it's It provides a betting model for you where you don't have to keep track of your, your return, your units, your win loss on this sport or that sport. It breaks it all down for you. And uh, we, Charlie and I have proof of that. And it's it's made us more successful. And uh, it, it's just a, a great addition to have to your betting lineup. And it's totally free. You even get three bucks when you sign up. And also when you sign up, you get entered to win. You know, you got a one in 100 chance of winning 100 bucks. So uh, tell your friends about it. Hop on board. The link is on the ticker. DM me if you have any questions at LDQ Sports. Be sure to use promo code 920LOGAN and uh, we'll get you in there um, and you can be part of our community that we're creating on Picket. I'm a big fan. I've been using it every day. While you were reading that, I actually just posted two plays. Or What you got? Uh, it was college basketball. Oh, I thought you I thought you meant baseball. I know you got the you're betting pretty much every game. I bet uh, every single conference tournament game for two weeks every year. I uh, started doing it last year. I went 167 and 132 last year, plus like it was either plus 39 or plus 36 units. This year I'm off to uh I think 25 and 19 start plus four and a half units. So we'll see how it goes. I guess plus five and a half now after Charleston Southern. But um, in terms of baseball plays this weekend, been fighting the good fight, trying to get some uh, college baseball lines on my sports book over on MGM. I think they're listening. Something's happening. I 
have exactly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine baseball games I can bet on. Not probably the ones you would think either. They're kind of random. I don't know. I mean, I have, I can bet on uh, Stony Brook in North Carolina, Illinois, Chicago, and Alabama, Memphis, Nichols, Pepperdine, South Alabama. Some decent ones out there. No, nothing on Tennessee yet, but uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not playing any any college baseball bets today. Still, just I'm on my mid-major basketball kick and. Once they start giving me more baseball lines, I'm going to start betting them frequently and putting them out there. Yeah, I'm just logging in because I've been checking too. You and I have been been in on this, checking in, um, pulling up the board there at the one you mentioned. Uh, yeah, follow us on Picket on Twitter uh, to see if we've got any more for today. I will say this. Uh, for that, uh, the Cambria College Classic going on up in Minnesota, some good matchups, but holy cow, that park, man. I, I don't know what to think about. It looks goofy as hell. Yeah. Um, Maryland is playing Ole Miss again. You you touched on it last episode. So we took Maryland this time last week. It cashed. It was the same price. This thing opened at plus 160 online today. So you're telling me that you're gonna okay, open you know it. I want to play that. I'm back in. Give me that. So <laughs> yeah, that's you're gonna give me the same price on a neutral. You know, the game was at Swayze last week, and we saw what happened. You're gonna give me the same price for that. At, there's got to be some value in that. And in this Maryland offense, they're a team that's used to practicing and playing indoors up there. Um, and this offense is it's a high-powered offense. So they got their ace going tonight. Uh Doherty is a manageable type of guy. Like he can come in and manage the game well, and he's a good pitcher. But uh who wins that battle that second time around? For the value, man, I gotta go with Maryland. That's excellent value. I mean, that truly is. It really should be more of a, a coin flip, don't you think? Yeah, like minus 110, minus 110 kind of situation. But minus I, I, that that's that's weird. I don't know. I would yeah, I would hop on I would hop on on Maryland if you're able to. Um you want some a, a funny a, a funny anecdote to end the show on? Let's go. Nebraska five. Vanderbilt three final. Whoa, final, 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 smashed, bang, bang. Wow, those corn boys, baby, they're getting it done. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I, like I said, there's value in Maryland, but this, this thing over the weekend up in Minnesota, I don't know how much I'm going to want to bet on it, man. <laughs> it's kind of something I want to stay away from, but the Maryland situation, that's just way too much value to stay away from. Bang. Hurts. Nebraska. All right, Charlie. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap this up and get out of here before we get blowed away from this weather that's coming in. Uh, oh, one thing of note, we've got Boston College up ahead after Gonzaga. Don't underestimate 
uh, that matchup. Travis Huntingman is a player for Boston College that's one of the best in the nation that nobody talks about. He's a college grinder, one of those um, – he's a first-round grade. Uh, he's one of those that uh, every skill is, like, above average. You know what I mean? It's not – nothing overwhelming. He just does a lot of things really, really well. He's kind of like their uh, – he's Boston College's Dylan Cruz. You know, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he came back for a senior year. Uh, and he's really fun to watch. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. It. Try not to look too far ahead, but keep in mind, just wanted to throw that out there, that Boston College will be a nice little matchup on a Tuesday with one of the best college prospects in the game. Anything else, Chuck? Not really. I mean, I'm intrigued by that Boston College game. Feels like, uh, I don't know, I just like the randomness of it. Yeah. Aesthetically, to like watch Tennessee play Boston College, it just, it feels like, I don't know, unique, unexpected almost. It, It was the one that, when I looked at the schedule for the first time this year, that is the first game that caught my eye. Not in like the same way that, obviously LSU and, and Arkansas and like those series do just caught my eye. Like, Hmm, that's peculiar. I like that. So I, I am excited to see that. And, and you told me this Travis, the, the Travis Honeyman's the guy to look for. I, I like it then I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna yeah. look forward to get the chance to see him. Absolutely. And hopefully, hopefully we will, uh, we'll get three games in this weekend against Gonzaga. Decided to see what the boys can do. For now, we're out. Charlie, go enjoy your obscure college basketball. I'll go enjoy my obscure college baseball. And we'll make a weekend out of it. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Y'all be safe out there. Got some bad winds coming in. Some bad weather. But y'all be safe. We'll catch up with you next week.